historical worker, historical figure? There are lots of ideas and words out there that people use. But what if we went straight to the source? What did Jesus say about himself? In the Gospel of John, there are seven famous statements that Jesus makes about himself. They speak to both his character and his mission. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Come and hear for yourself who Jesus is and what he came to do. Let's open our Bibles today to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Um, I don't. I think we've got some folks still trying to find some seats. If there were four uh, strong guys that want to come sit right here in spit zone, you could come sit right here and give some folks a time uh, a seat. Everybody, get everybody a seat. All right. Hey, these four seats are available every Sunday. All right. And uh, so if you uh, just want to. Uh, get close to where the glory comes out. Amen. Oh, this, this teasing, this cutting up. Um, hey, I can't believe that this group of guys and girls are graduating. Now, it's, it's just a lot of these guys and girls we've been in the journey with all the way through, like um, nursery, preschool, middle school, high school. And now getting ready to go to a new season of life. And uh, I think probably there's some parent thing going on there as well as pastoring thing going on there. But uh, if you're a, you're a graduating senior, a parent or a grandparent of a graduating senior, stand up for me right now. Let me see where you are. Graduating senior, go ahead and stand up. Parent or grandparent of graduating senior, standing up. Look around, and um, y'all cheer these folks on right now. Would you do that? All right. Seated. I want to pray for you. Lord, today we come before you in this time of prayer. uh, we, We give you thanks. Thank you, Father, for... Guys and the girls, the families that are represented, that have stood in this room, last hour the same. Thank you for giving us as a church body the privilege to be in on their lives. Father, thank you for um, the people around those that are standing that have poured life into these students and invested in them. Think of years of Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, D group leaders youth leaders, um, Lord, just all the way through, just um, people just working together to see these guys and girls get ready for the next thing that you have for them. You're worthy of praise and we give you thanks. Father, we pray for them as they um, look ahead to the future, take on some new responsibilities, some more autonomy, Lord, I pray for these guys and girls, what we've sung today, what they were here, here preached today, what's been taught to them, the truth, Lord, that matters for eternity, that's been taught to them for years, Lord, 
would be the foundation that they would stand on all the days of their life. Lord, we don't know the days that are marked out for us, but Lord, if whatever that is, we pray your plans would be accomplished in their life. We pray in the name of Jesus against the enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy them. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that their hearts would go toward you. We pray that there would hunger for the word and the fellowship of believers and that you would use them to be strategic for your kingdom and dangerous to the enemy's work. And Lord, we pray that um, that you would help them wherever they land to find a church home and a place where your word is declared and people love you and serve you and Lord, that they would be a great Bring you, bring you great glory in uh, what's ahead for them. Um, I pray that the truth of Jesus Christ and who you are, Jesus, would be first in their hearts above all things. In Jesus, we pray in your name. there was ever a day that was um, kind of showed that our church was multi-generational, this would be a day. Um, the graduates were recognizing all day, baby dedication this afternoon at 5, tonight at 7.30 right here in this room is a, a worship night for college students. If you've uh, here, never been to one of those, or you come week, just tonight, come at 7.30 and be a time of worship for students in this room. And uh, just a, a lot going on throughout the day that points to the multi-generational ministry of our church. And look around this room and see all ages. And some of you here for the very first time, I'd love to meet you before you get away. I'll be right out front here in the lobby, commons area, just on the other side of the sound booth. Stop in there and say hello. Introduce yourself. I'd love to be able to uh, know you better before you, uh, before you leave, before you get away. And uh, this morning, as we continue in, the, in our series, we're in the last I am statement of seven. And we find the seventh one in John chapter 15. Uh, there's a quirky thing that I, um, I just, I, I, I love um, knowing about, and it's, it's measurements. Now, what I mean by that is I, I just... I like knowing about uh, how things are measured, like teaspoons and tablespoons and pints and gallons. And like I see a piece of land, I want to know how many acres is that or how many miles is it to get to there. I, I love uh, things that you could measure, like your temperatures, uh, rain. I don't know, maybe it's the, the, the definite part of that. Like, like a, a tablespoon is a tablespoon. And, and if it's 98 degrees, it's 98 degrees. And I just, I like knowing those specific things. And I'm a pretty simple guy. And I grew up in a simple place. And I can remember 974-6515 calling my granddaddy. And out there in the country, granddaddy, how much rain did we get last night? And he had this little glass rain gauge that 
measured, and that's an exciting place, isn't it? That uh, the, the news is how much rain you get uh, in, a, in a place. But um, I love just, just the, the definiteness of measuring things. There's something, I, there's something that I wish I could measure, but I can't figure out how to measure it. And, and that's joy. I wish there was a way to measure joy. Like what if we had a meter that you just came in the door today and we just, you know, everybody got, you know, you're 74% of joy in your life. I mean, we just, you just can't, you can't measure joy. Now, I'm not talking about happiness. There are degrees of happiness. We can say I'm happy about this, but I'm not happy about that. Joy is different. Happiness changes on circumstances. Joy does not change on circumstances. When we're talking about joy that's in God's word, that's offered to us to live life in, joy is a sense of well-being. Joy is a sense of well-being due to a contentment in the promises of God. And so when God promises and he, he gives us a word on something, it's, it's settled. He's going to keep his word. He's going to keep his promise. And and joy in our life is when there is a contentment, a sense of well-being, that God's got this. His promises are faithful and true. And when you talk about joy, we really, it's really kind of only two ways to talk about it. We're either joyless or joyful. And what I want to offer to you today is a, a promise from John chapter 15 that you can be joy filled. You can be joyful. And if you'd just look and you'd say, Pastor, if you could measure my life right now, if my, if my life was the, was the dashboard of a car, all the gauges would be blinking right now. You ever had that moment, literally, where you get in the car and you start it and you're like, oh my, every yellow, orange, red lights on, there's some college students right now, that's your dashboard. You're like, I can't get home soon enough. And it's, it's all blaring. But physically, I mean, but, but spiritually, that kind of event can be going on in our life where you would just say, you know what, there's a big, if we could measure, there's a big glaring light going off right now that's saying I am joyless. I'm not joyful. In John 15, there is this promise from Jesus that your joy may be full. And he makes it to the disciples at a time of chaos and chaotic change. And we're going to see what he's saying. Look in John 15, verse 1. These are the words of Jesus. Remember, these words, this seventh I am statement, comes on the last night of his life before he's crucified. This is Thursday night. They're in an upper room. They're eating together. He would soon be betrayed, arrested, flogged, denied, nailed to a cross. He would die hanging on a cross. This is, he's just hours from this, speaking to his disciples. And he says in verse 1 of John 15, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And we get this great promise in verse 11 that he's just spoken some words to us that show us how our joy can be full, how we can be joyful in this life as we look forward to the day of seeing Jesus. Now the timing of the seven I am statements tell us a lot about their intent and their meaning. And across the Gospel of John, we've seen these seven I am statements. The first four I am statements were spoken kind of in a, a public discourse. There were, there were crowds around, and, and he spoke them where the crowds could hear what he said. He talked about, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. He, he spoke these, these words of public out there. It was a revelation of who he is, an invitation to believe with the promise that if you do, you'll receive life, eternal life, abundant life. One of these I am statements were spoken, was spoken individually to Martha in a time of grief. She was grieving over the death of Lazarus and Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he revealed to her that Jesus is bigger than death. His, his life that he offers goes beyond the grave. And he spoke that to her in, in uh, both revelation but also in compassion to remind her of who he is. And then the last two I am statements were spoken privately to the disciples. And they were spoken on the last night that Jesus was with them in a time of great chaos, great change. It was a time when they're, they're coming to this point where for three years they, they've laid down their nets, they've laid down their past professions, they're following Jesus around, they're watching his miracles, they're seeing his signs, they're hearing him teach, they're seeing the reaction to the crowd. And he comes down to this last night and he tells them he's going to go away. He's going to be denied. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be arrested. He's going away. And to them, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, I am the true vine. Both of those I am statements were meant to encourage disciples in such a critical time. And he wanted them to know, even though he was going away, there would be a day where they could be with him. 
And it's a great reminder to us that as Jesus has gone to heaven, left his Holy Spirit in us, that there will be a day and there is a way for us to be together with him in heaven forever. Today, he says, I'm the true vine. I am the true vine. Now think about where you are. A lot of different stories in this room. You hear where the disciples were on this night, and maybe God in his sovereignty and providence has brought you into this room on this first Sunday of May, first day of May. You say, it's pretty chaotic in my life. There's a lot of change happening in my life. There's a lot of things going on that I didn't see coming, or even though maybe some things that I saw coming, I didn't know it would be like this right now. And God's got a word for you that's not about happiness, it's about joy. And he wants you to know that he's the vine. And that if you will relate to him as a branch in the vine, you'll have life, you'll bear fruit, and the result of that will be joy. You'll be full of joy. Now, here's the big idea of the message, and it's this. Our joy is found in the everyday process of abiding in Christ and bearing fruit with our life. So what's the secret of joy? Where do I find, how do I get my joy back? I had a guy on the phone this week say to me, he's in a different place now, lives in another state, but he's in a different place emotionally and spiritually. He said, Carlos, when your heart dies, there are a lot of things that just don't matter anymore. And, and, and he was talking about a, a time where he had just, he just felt lost. He just was, his joy was gone. And you're, you're on the verge of that or you're hearing that today. I want to tell you that our joy is found in the everyday process of abiding in Christ and bearing fruit with our life. Let's get the metaphor here. Jesus takes an everyday piece of their life and he teaches eternal truth. He did this over and over again. You read the New Testament, you're trying to figure out the, how to understand the word. If you see a real life event, Jesus is around, get ready. He's going to make some kind of eternal application to it. And you'll be like, wait, wait, what just happened there? Where's that? And Jesus, every day, just teaching how everyday life shows us things about him and eternity. And he does that here with the vine and the vine dresser and branches and fruit. The metaphor involves plant biology. It's, it's, it's this picture of life that happens. And this, this uh, specific word for this very uh, agricultural event is, is uh, viticulture. And, and that's the care of vines and the pruning and the dressing of vines and preparing the soil and, and trimming and pruning and cleaning and cleansing the vines so that they bear fruit and it, it was a science it was a, a part of their everyday life and maybe he had been walking into the city and around he saw yards with vines in them he saw vine yards he saw vineyards he saw uh, their, just the production of fruit and he's like that's what we have right here and he says I'm the true vine he identifies himself as being the vine I'm the true vine. By him saying, I'm the true vine, it certainly calls our attention to the fact that there must be some vines that are not true. He's the genuine vine. He's the real vine. There must be other vines that 
you can hook your life to to try to draw life from and it's not going to work. And, and in this context, it would be there are other vines you can attach to where it won't produce joy. Let me just say right here, and it's, this message was not designed for graduates. We're just working through the ebb and flow of this series and of Scripture. But what a great application here as graduates. You get ready to head to the rest of the world, another season of your life. There are going to be a lot of fake vines out there. There are going to be a lot of false vines out there. There are going to be a lot of offers for you to attach your life to something that says, hey, here's the good life. And Jesus is saying, I want to step in front of you today and say, listen, I'm the true vine. I'm the real vine. I'm the genuine vine. If you want joy that's not affected by circumstances, then you need your life connected to me as the vine. Now, the disciples in the room, he says, you're the branches. You're the branch. And what does the branch do? Well, the vine is the support where the life and nutrients come from and the branches growing out of the vines. It's on the branch where the fruit is born. You don't look at a, a grapevine and see grapes hanging on the vines. You see grapes hanging on the branches. And, and Jesus is saying, out of me, attached to me, you're the branches. And as a branch... Getting your life from me, you're going to bear fruit because of the life that you get from me. And so today, a lot of our message is kind of evaluating whether or not you're bearing fruit when it comes to joyfulness or joylessness. He introduces another part of this picture. There's the vine, there are the branches, but there's also the vine dresser. A vine dresser, some translations say the gardener, older translations talk about the husband of the vines. And Jesus says, my father is the gardener. My father is the vine dresser. And what Jesus is saying that in our life, God's involved. Think about it. I don't know, whatever your age, just, just say, hey, I'm, I'm 40, I'm 18, I'm 54. What, what, it just, you realize God is involved in your life. He didn't wind you up and just set you off to let you run. He, he says he's the vine dresser. And what the vine dresser does is that he prunes and he cleans and he cleanses and he dresses the branches and the vines so that there would be Fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Um, as we think about this metaphor, and you think about how as a branch, how they're able to bear fruit connected to the vine, and the word that is given that just glares off the page is abide. As a branch connected to the vine, as a believer connected to Jesus as someone who is lost in their sins but have now been made alive through faith you're connected to Jesus Christ you're in Christ you're in the vine how do you live with joy and he says it's by abiding in Christ it's by abiding in him the word abide means to remain it, it, it means to uh, to continue it means to live there. Uh, abiding in Christ describes a relationship with him. And so today when you think about being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, are you abiding in him? 
ten times. I just underlining in scripture back today at some point in the past had done that. And I counted ten times in these eleven verses where the word abide is there. It's underlined and it's abide, 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 remain, continue, stay. Um, to abide means relationship. That's talking and listening and observing and watching, laughing, crying, celebrating, grieving, teaching, learning. That's abiding with someone. Abiding in Christ is it's like maintenance. It's maintenance on a relationship. The vine dresser, what's the vine dresser do? The, the vine dresser does maintenance on the vine. And, and for, for us, when, when the Father's working with us, we're involved in that maintenance of a relationship, maintaining the relationship. That's the picture of abiding. This weekend, we had couples retreat, about 25 couples from our church. We hour up the road at Lake Lanier. Carl and I were there with those other couple of dozen couples listening. Come home. Last night we're doing, sitting at the supper table, we're doing some homework that was given to us, conversating about what we had heard at the retreat. Pray together there and walked away. And I remember just walking away from that conversation after that weekend of just thinking, that was good. That was good. We needed that 24 hours away for somebody to speak into our life, to get us away and separated from everyday other stuff, to focus on our marriage, to focus on our relationship. And that maintenance left me in a place last night of just thinking, that's good. That's good. Why? Talking, laughing, crying, celebrating, grieving, watching, listening, learning, time, relationship. That earthly picture of marriage gives us a spiritual picture of our relationship with Christ. And for us to abide in Christ and have joy in our relationship with Christ and say, that's good. What we have to do is we have to have that time of abiding with Christ. And today, if you're sitting here and say, if you put a meter on me, I'd show up joyless. The, I, would, I would say to you, You need to look and see, are you abiding in Christ? Is there any maintenance going on in your relationship with him? Are you spending time with him? Are you listening to him? Are you walking with him? Or have you gotten so busy with life and living? And you just say, Pastor, look, and I'm just trying to pay bills. I'm just trying to keep my head above the water. I'm just trying to pass my final. I'm just trying to figure out what job I'm going to take. It's so much. I don't have time for Jesus. You say, whoa, whoa, wait. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And he's calling us this morning to say, if your joy is going to be full in time of chaos and chaotic change, then you got to look at your relationship with him and just and abide there. 
I spoke with a pastor at the beginning of this past week. We hadn't talked in 30 years. We were in seminary together. We made a connection, and he started asking us about time. 30 years ago, we were in Memphis, and he's telling him about all that was going on in Miami, Florida, where he's pastoring. And we're just catching up, and at some point in that relationship, he said, let me ask you, do you know, and he asked me about a cousin. He said, do you know Carrie Sibley? Yeah, absolutely. How do you know Carrie? And so I said, yeah, Carrie. He said, how, how, are you, how do you know Carrie? I said, well, Carrie's my cousin, and, and uh, his dad and my dad were first cousins, and we all... He grew up about 15 minutes from me, and absolutely, I, he went to Auburn, I went to Auburn, we were just, I, I know Carrie, and he said, well, tell me, now, he had how many kids, and I said, well, yeah, Carrie had kids, and, and I, I don't know, I think a boy, maybe two boys and a girl, he said, is he still in Atlanta, I, I, he lived in Atlanta, I'm not sure if he's in Atlanta still, and tell me about his wife, I think, yeah, I think, you know, and I, I just stopped, I said, hey, honestly, I don't have a clue about Carrie right now. <laughs> and I said, um, 60 seconds, I could text my mom. She could tell me everything in the world you want to know about Carrie, all right? I can find out about him. But I don't have a relationship with him. What I was saying was is that there hadn't been any time with Carrie. There hadn't been any conversation with Carrie. There hadn't been any life with Carrie. There hadn't been any abiding with Carrie. Therefore, I didn't know anything about Carrie. I could talk to somebody who did. In our relationship with Christ, we can get, into, get to a point where we say, I'm joyless. There's no joy in my relationship with Christ. We start asking a few questions and we realize, you know what? I'm related to Christ, but I'm not in relationship with Christ. Marriage can have the legal documents and us, to, and us need maintenance in our relationship. Our salvation can have the legal declaration of justification. But if we're not abiding in Christ daily with him, our joy is going to evaporate. And so if I'm asking you today to just think about this picture of abiding When we, when we abide in Christ, it, the, the promise is joyfulness. And so when I ask, are you joyful, I'm really, what I'm really asking is, are you fruitful? Because when you read through these verses, the picture here is fruitfulness leads to joyfulness. So what is fruit? Well, fruit is righteousness. Fruit is right living. Fruit is holiness. Fruit is Christ-likeness. Fruit is the fruit of the Spirit that's born in our life. That's fruitfulness. And so I want to ask you, instead of asking, are you joyful, let me ask you this back up. Are you fruitful? Are you bearing the fruit of Christ, a relationship with Christ? Think about it personally. Put your name, are you? Here's what helps me is to ask somebody else if you're bearing the fruit of Christ. Like, a parent, ask your kid today, do you think I'm bearing the fruit of Christ? And they're like, well, not right now, you're not. I mean, it's like, well, what about this week? Like, just, just over the last, any time in the last month, have you seen me bear the fruit of Christ? 
play eight, 18 holes of golf with somebody. On hole 18, say to them, hey, I'm a Christian. And I go to, don't tell them you go to Watkinsville. Say, just say, I'm a Christian. And say, hey, the last 18 holes, would you say that I have borne the fruit of Christ? I look like anything about Jesus, anything about my life. You ask other people, hey, I've worked with you for four years. I've gone to school with you for four years. Fruitfulness. It can be seen. It can be observed by others in our life. Well, how do you, how do you, what happens when you bear fruit? When you bear fruit, it's a strange thing. It says that when we bear fruit, we're pruned. He says every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. He, he cuts. Now, imagine this. You're, you're bearing fruit and God prunes you. What does that look like? You're doing the right thing. You're, 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 you're bearing, you, you get in a situation, say, and you, Christ comes through and you make a right choice. But then you look and say, man, it feels like I was just convicted about something. Maybe you bear fruit and you feel a little prideful about it and God convicts you. What's going on? It's God pruning. Let me tell you something about pruning from the horticulture world. I'm pretty rusty when it comes to my horticulture degree. But I got this one statement in four years that it's never left me, all right? And I'm in class and Dr. Harry Ponder, big guy. Harry Ponder, I just see him, short sleeve shirt, big hairy arm, and he's got a piece of chalk in his hand. And he said, today, and he's got his back, and he said, pruning, dust flying everywhere, is local in effect. He draws a big chalk line in under it. Pruning is local in effect. And he went on to explain something you know is true. You go to a tree, a plant, a vine, a rose bush, and you look to see where it's cut and where the limb was cut. What happens right there? Two. Cuts again, four. Cuts again, there's six. And where the cut is is where the growth takes place. And that's why conviction is good. That's why conviction is gracious. That's why God's showing us something in the word that we need to change is God's mercy. Because it leads to more fruitfulness. And as you live a life maintaining, abiding in Christ and he prunes in your life, you bear more fruit. And the promise that you have from Jesus is this, that your joy may be full. Now, wrapping up today, we're going to sing a song. It's a song that I've wrestled with for a while, and there's a line in it that I just had not been sure about. In fact, there was a time when I asked our worship team, could we change a word in that song and just put this in instead and sing it? And um, some of you are thinking, sloppy, wet kiss. That's not the song I'm thinking about. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm talking about this song, Build My Life. And in the bridge it says I will build my life on his love and I don't know somewhere I just like that ought to be word I'll build my life on his word today we're going to sing that song it's going to be love there this verse these verses tell us right here something about abiding in Christ it says if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you by this my father's glorified that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. 
As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You see, love for Christ, for a life that's connected to Christ, leads to obedience to his commands. And obedience to his commands leads to fruit in our life. And fruit in our life leads to pruning, and pruning leads to more fruit, and more fruit leads to joy. And so today, when we sing, building our life on his love, what we're saying is, I'm in him, I love him, I will show that by obeying him, and by his power, I will bear fruit, and when he prunes, I'll celebrate more fruit, and the gift to me is joy. worship.